Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to another week of Whiskey and Wonder. Yes, another lovely week. I'm sorry if you heard my microphone creak there uh, during the intro. That was a disgusting noise. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't pick it up on my headset, so I'm guessing okay, it didn't well, get picked up. I moved my mic. I moved my mic out of the way. If you're on YouTube, uh, I move it out of the way. And when we're starting all the stuff and then I move it into the way so I can talk, you know, right while the entrance music's playing and it made a solid <laughs> today. So <laughs> I'm going to try, I guess I'll WD-40 that, but all right, uh, we're whiskey and wonder. And every week we get together and we review a whiskey and teach the other something that has made us wonder. Absolutely. That's um, Tyler. I'm Tyler, yes. It was up on the screen if you're on YouTube and as well as our social media <laughs> stuff. I got a little trigger happy. And that over there. I'm over Megan. Yonder. Yep, she's Megan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 75 episodes and everyone's had a different intro. Uh, <laughs> so. You're welcome. Uh, yes. Well, Never figured out at no. this point. Together we make part of a functioning person. 75 episodes and... You we get what you get. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but that's why you love us, I hope. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to jump into announcements here. Uh, I mentioned it last week. Uh, we have a new tier on Patreon. If you want to vote on the... Whether the whiskey that week goes into the infinity bottle, uh, it, there's a $2 level. It's $2 a month, and you can vote on every episode that comes out that month. And that is currently the only perk you get with that tier. Um, but, you know, you're getting to vote four or five times and make us either happy or miserable. When Whatever we, year you choose. Yeah, you get to participate in us making our own blend of whiskeys. That's that's essentially what it is, is we're, we're making our own blend. And then once it's full, we'll we'll give it a shot. Uh, we're doing a bourbon and a scotch. We're not combining any... Um, Like, we're not putting rye. Uh, we're not putting scotches and bourbons together. We're just, just one for bourbons, one for only scotches. Um, and we'll we'll drink those when we mm-hmm. get them full and they've aged for a little while. Um, we've touched on this previously as well. We are looking to start a Whiskey Wednesday, um, which will be some sort of streaming or hangout type thing uh, with one of us, possibly me, possibly Megan, and we're going to do that on Wednesdays, uh, maybe where we... we um, you know, I have I have a drink, or Megan has a drink, and we just hang out with you guys. Yeah, you can. You know, we're we'll probably we'll, we'll see. We still got brainstorm to do on that. We don't we don't we don't know all the details yet, but look for that coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, check out the store whiskeyandwonder dot com. We've still got glasses. Um, we've got one sticker left, and I'm about to order more. Uh, but we also have started promising a free sticker for certain tiers of the Patreon. So if you want a free sticker, you can sign up on Patreon and get other benefits with each level. Um, So there's that, Megan. I'll let you do the next one. All right. Uh, 
We here at Whiskey and Wonder want to give a special shout out and congratulations to friend Aaliyah. <laughs> friend Aaliyah uh, got married yesterday and uh, she has been a huge um, supporter and uh, cheerleader for this podcast uh, almost from the beginning. So uh, congratulations, Aaliyah and Tanner. We hope you guys have many many happy years together um and thank you for supporting us yes thank you and congratulations um i hope you guys have a a very happy and long and forever i guess is a better way yes forever forever marriage (laughs) yes so um congratulations guys and thank you thank you so much for your support for sure Uh, on that note um, oh, no, I'm sorry. All the other people that support yes, us. all of our supporters. Yes. That's why That's <laughs> why we have a schedule. That's why it's right here so I can not skip stuff. Uh, for all our other supporters, uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, everybody on Patreon, everybody that's sending us PayPal donations, everybody that likes and subscribes and reviews and rates and listens and tells their friends and all the fun stuff. You guys make this possible and make this... Um, you just make it. You make it. Yeah. yeah you're there's, you're the reason why we're here. So Yep. So Thank you. Uh after that I guess we'll just move it on down the road. The open segment. All right. All right. Well, um I want to say that I'm not sick if I sound weird on the mic. Um if I get like sniffly or coffee or anything, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt really hard not to. But allergies have been just kicking my ass this week. It is like super pollen. Like my prescription allergy meds are not helping. I just am miserable. It is awful. Yeah, I I had a, a quote unquote migraine headache. Uh, yesterday afternoon and this morning and uh, I I know I don't get migraines I get like sinus headaches that turn into migraines so I know the pollens hitting me pretty hard I was outside all day yesterday at a um, event for armored cow at a beer or brew fest and that was fun but I'm you know I started paying for it so yeah yeah. So how's life been? What's been going on for the last week? Um, so I uh, I went to friend Aaliyah's wedding, and that was yesterday. Um, and it was the coolest slash best wedding I've ever been to in my life. And if I've gone to your wedding, uh, I'm sorry, but Aaliyah blew it out of the water. So um, it was a pretty small wedding. I mean, I don't think there was more than 50 guests, if that. I mean, it was very intimate. Um, It was a beautiful ceremony. And then the reception was held at an aquarium. Which aquarium? Uh, The Greensboro Science Center. And it was the coolest, most amazing reception I have ever experienced. Is that the place that has tigers? Yes. I know they have red pandas and all sorts of stuff. They have like a full outdoor. Like zoo area. Yeah. Yeah. We, okay. Yeah. It, we had the, the aquarium like 
for all the wedding stuff. Okay. So uh, we sat next to the penguins and literally like penguins were just like coming up to the window and like hanging out and they would like swim and like check on you. Um, there was one penguin cause the, the wedding cake was like right in front of the penguin exhibit. And there was one penguin that like went up to Aaliyah and Tyler as they were like cutting the cake. Like, Hey, can I get some? It was Did, adorable. Didn't you just say his name was Tanner? Yep. But did I, you just called him Tyler. Jesus Christ, I'm looking at Tyler. Uh, oh, looking at Tyler. <laughs> I am sorry, Tanner. <laughs> yeehaw, yeehaw. Jesus, um, this is my life. Um, but yeah, there were sharks and an octopus and otters and fish and a mantis shrimp. And it was like this, the coolest, most amazing thing ever. So, Well, glad it was a good time. Glad it was awesome and that everything hopefully went smoothly. I I was not part of the wedding party, so I don't know how stressful everything was um but from a guest point of view everything seemed really smooth and nice and seemed awesome so i i have actually been there uh shelby and i took a random train trip up to greensboro just to ride the train and ended up that was one of the things we did while we spent the day there and it was it was pretty cool um I, i personally like the dinosaur and the zoo portion a little more than the aquarium portion. It kind of stank in there, in my opinion. <laughs> it's uh, a little fishy smelling. Yeah. But, you know, overall, it's a great place to go if you're in the triad area of North Carolina. Awesome place if you have kids. Take them. Waste a Saturday. Or, you know, go through the week. Keep them out of school and avoid the people. If you want to do that, too. <laughs> no, that would be me if I was a parent. Um, Anything else happened this week? Um... Nothing super uh, exciting other than that. That was kind of like the big hurrah, huzzah for uh, this week. So that's kind of my life. Um, what about you, Tyler? Anything crazy, new? Um, no, not really. It's been a blur. The craziest thing is your dad calling me yesterday. <laughs> I, yep. I don't know if he made you aware of that. He did because okay, he yeah. also invited uh, Houston and I. In which I politely decline. Yeah. Y'all uh, have fun. Yeah. Well, uh, so Megan's dad called yesterday and invited Shelby and I to go to the October NASCAR race with him and uh, Megan's stepmom, Paula. So we happily accepted and, and are, have planned that out a little bit. Um, some other trips have been planned. Uh, we're, Shelby and I are going with some friends down to Atlanta to catch a Braves game. Uh, you guys know how big of a Braves fan I am, and I've converted Shelby. Nice. She is, nice. She's now a Braves fan. I actually got her her birthday. Uh, we, I think we shouted out her birthday. I wasn't here that week. That was the week that I Oh, well, then, was gone. Then Shelby was on the podcast on her birthday, so yeah. we probably shouted it out. It's all a blur to me, people. I'm so <laughs> sorry, but it, it really is. Three the three jobs get to you after a while. Um, but yeah, I I got her jersey and a shirt and stuff, so she's she's all decked out and fanned out right nice. now. So we're gonna do that. We're going to her brother's in Nashville Memorial Day weekend. So uh, there won't be a podcast that weekend unless Megan is solo. Yep, chooses to do one solo. Um. 
other than that, shit, I don't know. Uh, I I went to a cigar event. That was fun. Um, but it went by real quick. I worked the brew festival. That was fun, but it went by real quick. <laughs> everything. That's just a pattern it's in my just life. A Every, blur right now. It, everything, everything is just go, go, I'm, go, go. I'm go. so busy. It's uh, shout out to Shelby. She got me a new lawnmower. Um, and God damn, that thing is a freaking Cadillac. The automatic lawnmower. Is that what it's, it's a push mower. Okay. But, uh, no, no, no. You're talking about the one in the backyard. Yeah. No, that one we've talked about. That's yes. the like robot vacuum lawnmower. No, she got me a, another push mower for the front for the and front side yard. yard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that thing is a Cadillac. It's got drive wheels. It's, it's just, it's so nicer than the one I had, which I also got from Shelby. <laughs> I got it. She gave it to me. She told me there was one condition on getting rid of the old one. And that's that I have to find somebody that needs it and I can either sell it or give it away, but I can't charge more than $30, which I don't have any intention. I'll give it to somebody that thing served me well. Um, you know what? I actually, I actually bought a blade for it <laughs> the week before Shelby got me the mower. <laughs> And I was going to replace it, but I haven't. I was going to take the blade back, but the hell with it. I'll throw the blade in there, too. That's Aww. blades are $20, $25. So, so nice. I'll, I'll do that. If, if anybody out there needs a lawnmower and you're willing to come to my house and pick it up, I got you. Um, with a brand new blade. Yeah, well, you'll have to install that, but yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just been a blur. A lot of planning, a lot of trip trip planning, so... That's um, yeah. That's it. All right. I, uh, my favorite beer is back at the brewery too. So, Fluffernutter. No. No. What's your favorite? Revely. 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 Peanut butter cup stout. I knew it was peanut butter something. Yep. Peanut butter cup stouts come back. And my other favorite is brewing, which is Are You Ready Kids? The, oh, that one's good. Yep. I love Are yep. You Ready Kids. That's that's a coconut pineapple sour. It's good. Oh, it is very good. We're I am forever in debt to Andy, the brewer, right now. He's <laughs> got all my favorite stuff back. And honestly, he said Revly. He didn't know because it's a it's a heavy dark beer, um, and that most people just tend to drink those more in the winter. So he didn't know if it was going to come back early or if it was just going to be like a seasonal thing. Um, but he got so many requests to bring it back. Everyone likes not, peanut butter cups. Yeah, not just from me, but I, I gave him uh, a lot plenty of, there for a while. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm glad they're bringing back Are You Ready, Kids. I was worried they wouldn't. Oh, no. Um. Oh, no. I would not um, have let that happen. I'm so excited. I was very scared. I would never see it again. So yep. I am really excited it's coming back, and I will have to get some of those because yum. I am counting the days, but that's pretty much it for me. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and move on, talk about what we're drinking. All right. Opening the bottle. We're drinking this. <laughs> we are drinking Four Roses, uh, Small Barrel Select, right? Small Batch Small select. Batch Select. I am so sorry. So in the Four Roses universe, there are basically... F- <sighs> There's a lot of a lot of higher end stuff, but the common, fairly common stuff you can find is four roses, just your regular four roses. You've got the small batch 
Then you've got the small batch select and then single barrel. We have done, and and it's in that order, regular, then, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and like, I don't want to say quality. They're all good, but you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. tears. So this is uh, the third. We've done the small batch and we've done the single barrel on here before. I don't have those episodes, but I will get those. Okay. Um, obviously, since we've done them before, I've gone over the history of uh, this company a little bit, but I'm going to say it again because it's a short paragraph and it is just such a sweet story. So uh, Four Roses Bourbon began when Paul Jones Jr., the founder of Four Roses Bourbon, became smitten by a beauty of a southern belle. It is said that he sent a proposal to her and she replied that if her answer were yes, she would wear a corsage of roses on her gown to the upcoming Grand Ball. Paul Jones waited for her answer excitedly on that night of the Grand Ball. When she arrived in her beautiful gown, she wore a corsage of four red roses. He later named his bourbon Four Roses as a symbol of his devout passion for the lovely Belle, a passion he thereafter transferred to making his beloved Four Roses bourbon. So uh, we did the Four Roses small batch in episode 50 and the Four Roses single barrel in episode 63. Just to uh, let you guys know, um, we gave, interestingly, Megan gave, uh, am I reading that right? Yep, Megan gave, Small batch, a seven. I gave it a six. Uh, and we had friend Morgan on for that episode, who also gave it a seven. And then for the single barrel, Megan gave it a four, and I gave it a five. So apparently we didn't like their higher tier stuff. So we'll see how this goes. Now, I'll give you a little bit of history behind the four roses between the difference between um, the small batch select and the small batch. So there are... Eight. I'm sorry. There are, yes. there are 10 bourbon recipes. Yes. Each aged a minimum of six years. And then to handcraft the small batch select, um, there are six of the 10 uh, chosen. They are non-chill filtered. And this is the newest permanent product line uh, in Four Roses uh, bourbon. The small batch, not the small batch select, but the regular small batch is a blend of four of their bourbons instead of six. Yes, it's the f- other four. So this is made up of six, and then the other four are used to make the small batch. Yes, correct. This usually goes for anywhere from 35 to about 50 bucks um, MSRP. Um, I couldn't find the exact MSRP, but that I remember paying somewhere in the range. I saw it a lot around the forty ninety nine mark. Looking at it online. Okay. So I'm gonna say forty ninety nine, maybe forty five, forty nine. Oh, that smells lovely. It does. It smells very summery. Um. Oh, I think it smells like ice cream. Oh, well, I guess that is kind that of is summery. kind of summery. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it definitely, it smells very creamy. Um, there's heavy vanilla in there. Um, it's a light creaminess. Um, it, it feels like chilled, um, but I, it obviously hasn't been chilled. It's just been sitting here, but it, uh, like in my hand, it, 
the glass feels colder. And even when I breathe it in, it, it smells cold. Um, like that menthol? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but the menthol isn't like an overwhelming mint smell. It's more of like a sensation, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. I get a lot of vanilla, a lot of, well, I'm sorry, a lot of vanilla, but a smidge of butterscotch too. Yeah. Get a little bit of Werther's in there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, definitely the vanilla. The vanilla and the cream are like what's hitting me the hardest. Um, there's maybe some sort of fruit in there, like maybe a strawberry. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a little hint of strawberry. Um, I don't get that. I'm overpowered by the vanilla because I like vanilla. I mean, that's fair. That's my flavor of ice cream. Regular all vanilla. Plain Jane. You can turn vanilla way. into anything you want it to be. Cookies and cream. Chocolate uh, cookies. Uh, damn. Chocolate chip cookie dough? Chocolate chip cookie dough. That, I, that's <laughs> what I thought I said the first time, but I said cookies and cream. But in my head, I saw cookie dough. Mint chocolate chip. Everything. Yeah. It all starts with vanilla. Yep. All right. So according to uh, Four Roses' official website, we should be smelling raspberries, clove, and nutmeg, which... I don't know what clove or nutmeg smells like. Uh, fall. It smells like pumpkin pie. Oh, that smells like pumpkin. <laughs> um, Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're right. So this other website uh, says that we should be smelling sweet vanilla, cinnamon, and oak, uh, which I agree far more than the official Four Roses. Um, they say beyond these is a sweet array of fruit cobbler, caramel, and creme brulee. So um, I agree more with uh, this random reviewer, uh, more so than the official... Um, Four Roses website, but you know, uh, every palette is a little bit different. But I'm gonna say it's it's vanilla ice cream with just a touch of strawberry. I don't get any fruit, but I tasted it. Um, I do want to say that this is 104 proof uh, for anybody curious. Right in my wheelhouse, personally. And how wow, it's very thick. I took a sip. That was something I thought too. Very thick. Um, it's got a very good sweet right on the front end that passed me by really quick on that first sip. The burn kind of overpowered, so I'm anxious to take a second sip here. Yeah. I saw Megan take two, so I'm going to let her fill you in on what she um, tasted. And so it, it's very, very heavy. It's as thick as like cream on your tongue. Um, which is a very strange sensation that you don't get with whiskey a whole lot. Um, the initial sip, I was mainly shocked by the, the texture and the feeling of it. Um, but I did get, you know, a quick brush of sweetness and then a very strong menthol burn. Um, and the menthol burn kind of stayed the whole way. Um, my second sip after I was prepared for how heavy the whiskey was, um, I got a little bit more, of uh, the sweetness was able to pick out uh, the vanilla and the cream kind of individually. Um, and then again, I was kind of smacked by the menthol. Um, and 
I would say the finish is kind of um, oaky or leathery. Um, not not super leathery. More more oaky, I would say. I get a very faint, little bit of oaky. Yeah, it's, it's not a, long a strong finish. It's not a strong. No, oak. and and it's a very long finish. It it hangs with you. Um, much better the third time. Yeah. Yeah, going in for it again. I took a my second sip. I almost didn't taste anything. I don't understand how I managed to do it. I didn't shoot it, but somehow I shot it, I guess. And all I got was a, like, I got it down and sat there and thought, huh, I didn't get anything. And then started getting a burn coming back up. So I guess that's what it's like if you shoot it. (laughs) Uh, I do get a lot of sweet in this, and I get more sweet on the back end um, than, like, I have to search for that wood flavor, but... The sweet dies out. The wood lingers. lingers. It's it's still lingering in the back of yeah. my throat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the back of my tongue. It's, so it's faint, but it's there. Um, the sweet is definitely like a a flavor that's in the forefront, um, but it does fade away quicker than the wood. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't get any fruit at all. I'm Just not getting any fruit. Overly vanilla. I'm getting vanilla, and really, I'm getting cream. It's very, very yeah. creamy. Yeah, it's very creamy. Um, maybe, it, like I said, I got a smidge of butterscotch in the nose, so maybe maybe I'm getting a little bit of butterscotch mi- mixed in there along with that woody finish. But I'm going to tell you guys, I've taken about five sips of this already. and uh, It's almost gone. That's his... a, that's about where I would have it to put some water in, so I'm going to throw a little He's more gonna in He's going to do there. a little bit more, which is a pretty good sign for small batch select. I'm not commenting one way or the other yet. <laughs> Oh, I sorry. Just, I, I just sniffed in the mic and I said I wouldn't do that. Yeah, it's fine. I just want to uh, ensure that I have enough to accurately, accurately, re- you know, review and rate it at the end. Fair. So. Um, so Four Roses said we should be tasting apricot, berries, vanilla, and light oak. I'm not getting apricot or ba- berries. Um, the vanilla and light oak, Yes. Uh, the finish they say is lingering spearmint and yep. cinnamon, and meh, kinda. Uh, let's go to this reviewer that I liked more. Let's see. They say, um, while the proof is noticeable in the nose, it is well balanced and welcomed in the palate. Yep. Yeah. Um, the sip starts with a very prominent yet enjoyable blend of spices. Yeah. Uh, layers of heavy summer fruits. Nope. Um, are joined by oak and vanilla. Um, and even with all the spice, the sip delivers a creamy mouthful. Um, what the hell is a summer fruit? I don't... Uh, watermelon. I ain't get that. Watermelon, strawberries, I would say, are summery. Okay, just berries I in think general. berries, yeah. Berries are summer. Watermelon. I don't get many berries. Kiwi, melons, other melons, pineapple. I know from personal experience, peaches. Peaches, I thought, are like more fall, aren't they? Our peach tree always bloomed. Uh, I guess it was late summer. And late summer, early fall? I don't know. What do I know? Um, I don't know. I'm not agreeing a whole lot with this uh, This take. Um, I'm not getting really any fruit in the taste. Uh, I, I agree with what Tyler and I have said so far. Um, in that this is 
more very strongly vanilla, creamy, tiny, tiny bit of oak at the end. Um, it's a very unique feeling in your mouth. It's very, very heavy, um, which is not something I'm used to. I'm used to whiskey feeling like more watery or liquidy. Um, this is very, very heavy, almost almost like a, a cream. Um, well, interesting. I get a, now that I haven't had a sip in a while, um, I would say the last sip I had is it was in the middle of Megan reading the uh, Four Roses, uh, what we're supposed to be tasting, not so much uh, the second guy or the second person. Um, and it that wood finish, that long wood finish is still there, but it's kind of faded to chocolatey. So, Interesting. Yep. I haven't got any chocolate. Yep. It's I. It's kind of like if you, you know how chocolate leaves a taste in your mouth after you eat it. It's yeah. kind of the same flavor. <laughs> so interesting. But I guess on that, unless you have anything else. No, I'm ready. All right. It's time for the wonder segment. <clears throat> Sorry. So today's wonder segment can definitely be taken as insensitive to some. And I want to preface everything by saying that my goal today is not to bring harm to anyone. I'm here to learn and to teach, and I will try to do so while maintaining respect for the dead. But at the same time, this is Whiskey and Wonder. Tyler and I are kind of assholes, and we do joke a lot. Kind of. <laughs> uh, if you're uncomfortable with humor around death, you might want to skip today's episode just in case, because today we are going to talk about cadavers. Ew. <laughs> You heard that right. Cadavers, or dead bodies. Typically, cadavers are called such because they are intended to be used in some sort of scientific study after death, whereas the word corpse usually encompasses just a dead body, though both words have been used interchangeably throughout history. There are some horrific things I'm going to discuss that have happened to these cadavers for the betterment of the living, and here's my stance on what happens to me after death. When I'm gone, I'm gone. I have no use for this vessel that carried me through this plane. And I want you to take and use as much as can be taken and used for my corpse. If my body can help one person, that'll be a victory in my book. If I can be turned into a lesson for future doctors and scientists so that they may improve life, please do so. If they want to use my body for ballistic testing to potentially save the lives of future soldiers, fuck it. I don't need it. If there's anything left over of me, cremate it and let my loved ones do with whatever ashes remain as they please. I have zero desire to be buried in a box six feet under the ground where I'm just taking up already limited space. And I don't want the last image my family or friends have of me to be the waxy, fake pallor of death. No shade to morticians. You all work crazy magic with what you are given. But I would rather you remember me through photos and videos and this podcast 
but don't put my corpse on display to sob over. I don't want that for my loved ones. Life should be celebrated and memories cherished. If there's anything after death, it won't require an intact, intact corpse. I'm sure that'll upset some of you, but it has to be true. It makes no sense for whatever god or deity or whatever to refuse your next chapter because your physical form is no more. And if I'm wrong, so be it. I'll exist in purgatory, happy knowing that donating my body helped those still alive. So, when I die, use my cadaver as much as possible to save and aid the living. I thought it would be appropriate for everyone to know my stance before I began, so now I'll get off my soapbox and teach all of you the wonders of cadavers. Burn my ass and throw me into space. <laughs> That's all I want. I want to travel around the cosmos. And I hope, I think we've talked about this on on here before. I hope when we die that we get a TV remote and we can go back to any point in history we want to. Watch it. Future, past, whatever. We yes. can go and see what happens. I would love that. There's so many unsolved mysteries and crimes that I like. I need to know. Yeah, I want to know who, who killed Epstein or did he kill himself. That's one of them. One of the many. That's our generation's JFK. Probably. You know probably about it. <laughs> um, all right, so. The first ever use of cadavers for study can be traced all the way to the 3rd century. In ancient Greece, at the School of Greek Medicine in Alexandria, humans first broke the taboo of human dissection. Physicians Herophilus and... Nope. <laughs> I knew I was going to fuck this up. <laughs> Physicians Herophilus of Chalcedon and Aristor... Nope. <laughs> Aristoratus. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Herophilus of Chalcedon and Aristoratus of Sios. That's as good as we're going to get, folks. Those two... We'll take it and run with it. <laughs> those two <laughs> were the first to use dead criminals as bodies to study. With Alexandria's purpose to be the center for literature and scientific learning for all over their world, their methods were quite successful. Up until then, medical knowledge was limited to observation, supposition, examination of human bones, and comparisons to the study of animals. Sadly, however, Herophilius and Arististeratus were ahead of their time, and with their deaths, autopsies virtually stopped. A new medical school argued that there was no benefits or clinical results that could be attained from cadavers that couldn't be gleaned from non-invasive observations. And with the burning of Alexandria in 389 A.D., Blasphemous human dissection was banned for nearly 1,700 years. But then, in 1315, at the University of Bologna in Italy, a new human dissection was performed. And from there, popularity of the practice grew. And because morbid fascination doesn't seem to have a generational limit, viewing these autopsies became quite popular not just among scholars and scientists, but the general public. 
crowds began to form and the need for anatomical theaters arose. In 1594, the first permanent anatomical theater was built at the University of Padua in Italy. Shortly after, in, in 1595, the anatomical theater of Archigesanusio. <laughs> That's so wrong. Wow. <clears throat> <laughs> You tried and lost. I did. The Anatomical Theater of Archignacio. 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 Yep, we're going to just <laughs> listen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I really thought I had these in my head when I wrote this. I was like, I can pronounce that. I can pronounce that. No, I can't. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway. Uh, this... Uh, anatomical theater of Archigenasio unveiled at the medical school of Bologna. And they continued to pop up around Europe and eventually the world. Renaissance painters like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo are known to have participated in several human dissections to study the human body and improve their art. Ecorches a type of art in which the artist details the inner workings of the body in a purely artistic expression began to appear as well. They depict flesh peeled or ripped away from muscles. And with anatomical theaters, a lucrative new career emerged. Grave robbing. To procure cadavers, anatomists would often rely on physicians to suggest a post-mortem for their patients, even to families that were comfortable in already understanding the cause of their loved one's death. Generous hospitals would often donate corpses of persons that they could not reach family for funerary rites. And sadly, this was often poor foreigners, slaves, or the mentally impaired. Still, the demand for cadavers was greater than the supply. Though grave robbing had been recorded as far back as the 14th century, it was during the 16th that it absolutely rocketed in popularity. In one instance, a female cadaver was stolen and then stripped of her skin so that her friends and family wouldn't recognize her at the anatomical theater. Anatomists began to receive criticism and severe accusations like being accused of performing a dissection on a nobleman with a still-beating heart, or on live twins with syphilis. Though evidence of these crimes is slim to none, it nevertheless darkened the impression of anatomists in general. Sanjeev Kumar Ghosh of the School of Medicine in West Bengal, India, writes, quote, Whether or not the hunger for cadavers among the 16th century anatomists actually put the living at risk, it certainly exposed the unprecedented links between anatomists and administers of criminal justice as they began to influence the time and mode of execution of criminals to suit their requirement of dissection. By the middle of the 16th century, there were clear signs of persif persistent public concern regarding the anatomical practices in Italy. Initially, their reservations were based on traditional issues like funerary ritual and family honor, but eventually emerged as a fear of being buried alive and coming under the anatomist's knife. However, such concerns in the public domain coexisted 
with the well-documented popular enthusiasm for the spectacle of human dissection. End quote. So basically people were like, I don't want it to happen to me, but I want to watch it. Which... Not much has changed. No. Same, same stuff going on today. Literally the premise of our WTF on Reddit. <laughs> Truth. Interesting experience laughing with that in your mouth. Just got to yeah. say. Yeah. Huh. Kind of, I guess, vibrated it. It was very weird. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Hey, you said it was an interesting it experience. It was, but so. that was the weirdest, like... Well, that was a fake laugh, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, don't do that. No? No, don't do that. Um, end in the end <laughs> in England, human dissection was illegal until the 16th century. Protestant reformation started when Henry VIII had major conflicts with Pope Clement VII. AKA, he wanted a divorce. He wanted the divorce. I'm Henry VIII. I am. I am. That that like nursery rhyme song. Never heard it. No. Um, Wasn't a top ten hit. No, it was not. I'm not going to go and sing it, though, but, you know, you got a little, you got one verse. Okay. But, yes, he wanted a, divor- a divorce, numerous divorce is divorcees, and uh, the uh, the church was not too happy with him, so uh, King Henry was like, well, I guess you're just not going to be our religion then, and thus Protestant Reformation. Through the Protestant Reformation in 1565, certain physicians and surgeons were allowed to begin regulated dissections on human cadavers. The Royal College of Physicians and the Company of Barber Surgeons were the only two groups legally allowed to perform dissections at this time. John Caius is known for popularizing the study on human anatomy via dissection in England when he was the president of the Royal College of Physicians from 1555 through 1571, only missing two years between 1560 and 62. Almost all cadavers were received from criminals executed by the crown, and nearly none were voluntarily donated. By the 17th century, England began to catch up to Italy and France in the study of anatomy after several popular books were published by said countries on human dissection. Because of the rise in popularity, the amount of cadavers from hung criminals was no longer sufficient to meet the demand. In 1752, the Murder Act was passed in England after authorities were pressured by surgeons to allow more dissections to take place. The Murder Act legalized the dissection of executed criminals across various medical schools for education and research. And the act served a dual purpose. One, to provide more corpses for study. And two, to scare would-be murderers from committing crime in the first place. But to further increase the amount of cadavers, the government significantly increased the number of crimes that were punishable by death. So, whoops. Still, the Murder Act did not provide adequate numbers of cadavers for study, and a vast majority came from grave robbers, also called resurrectionists at the time. 
illegally exhuming bodies from graveyards and selling them to medical schools. Resurrectionists. Sounds like a really cool job until you know what it is. Once you know a resurrectionist is just a grave robber, it's not nearly as cool sounding. It just sounds like somebody who brings people back to life and no thanks. There's enough people. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like like a healer, like a from like a a magical healer like from being D&D, like I'm a resurrectionist. Maybe. Uh, let me tell you though, I haven't had a sip of this whiskey in a while, mm. and I have an intense chocolate flavor in my mouth. Mm. My it's it's very intensely chocolatey for me, and I haven't had anything chocolate all day. Huh. So, I just took another sip, and I'm gonna have to remember next time I pause to like just taste my mouth and see if I can tell. Yeah, there's a chocolate. It's taste on the there. top of the back of my throat is where I really taste it. Okay. Weird. Weirdly enough. Okay. I'm going to try to remember that. I'm going to read a couple paragraphs and then pause again. During the 17th and 18th century, the English government tried to project the idea that dissection was a huge dishonor to an individual and their family. Again, trying to prevent crimes punishable by death from occurring. This did little to stop crime, and the authorities began to offer any type of executed person to become a cadaver. Originally, it was only those who were hanged. Now, it was those who were guillotined or stoned or literally anything else horrible that they decided to do. Still, this wasn't enough for the demand, and by the mid-18th century, in hopes to stop the prevalent grave robbing, Many countries around Europe passed legislations allowing the corpses of unclaimed paupers, patients of psychiatric wards, and donations from charitable hospitals to be added to the legal pool of cadavers. Grave robbing was still rather lucrative, with some people even committing murder to then sell the corpses to schools for dissection. There are several confirmed cases of this happening, one of which I'm not mentioning because it's so intense that I have it down as its own wonder segment one day. So if you're wondering why I'm not saying any specifics, that's why. But just so you guys know, there was a time in history where people were literally killing people to turn around and sell their body to a medical school. Wacky times. You know, business is business. <laughs> wow, Tyler. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> Remind me not remember, to go to the 17th century with you. Remember earlier at the beginning when Megan said we're assholes? Megan's not really that much of an asshole. I can I, be. I am. Tyler it's, is. It's my default I mode. Be. I can be. I can't turn it off. <laughs> we're we're assholey together. It's okay. Yes. And I am getting a little bit of chocolate just to yeah pause and say that, yeah. Okay. I'm not crazy. No, you're not. I'm a sane asshole. You're a sane asshole. In 1832, the English government passed the Warburton Anatomy Act, which allowed for people that died at workhouses or such places to be given to medical facilities if no one claimed them within 48 hours. Again, this is in 1832. 
people working at workhouses died, and then their families had two days to find out they died and get their body, or else their body would be given for, away for dissection. That is not a long time. Mo a lot of families didn't even realize their loved one had died until it was too late to get their body. What are they going to do with the body? How are they going to keep it beyond that, though? I mean, people want to do funerary rites, bury it. and I, I get that, but, like, how? How are they going to store it for a week in 1842, though? I mean, thanks to cadavers and dissection, people had started and have been embalming for mm, fair centuries. Enough. Fair enough. Yep. Um, thanks to, again, cadavers. Um... And then with the English government pushing that dissection was just this horrible, dishonorable thing, um, it really, like, upset a lot of people that they were missing out on their family. And at the same time, however, the Anatomy Act of 1832 allowed for the donations of bodies and this began to shift how cadavers were obtained. With voluntary donation, the price of illegal cadavers greatly decreased, which made the practice no longer profitable enough. This, however, created a disparity about human dissection. Rich people tended to push for dissection as a means to increase knowledge and progress scientific research. However, the poor were the primary source for cadavers, whether through families voluntarily giving up loved ones or from the poor passing away and remaining unclaimed for longer than 48 hours. It was basically solely the poor that were used. The majority of the population was against human dissection, because the majority of the population was poor, both with propaganda from the past and from the poor being the sole source of the cadavers. In history, you can see this distrust against physicians, such as with the outbreak of cholera from 1848 to 1849. The Warburton Anatomy Act successfully stopped the act of grave robbing, but did nothing to change societal views towards dissection. Recent studies show that the Anatomy Act of 1832 was largely ignored or manipulated. And though grave robbing had successfully ended, body snatching became a new way to obtain cadavers. A body snatcher would divert a corpse or corpses from a funeral and instead direct them to a dissection. So now grave robbers, rather than going in the middle of the night and digging up a grave and taking someone out, now they would just steal you on your way to be buried. They got smarter, more efficient. That's a horrible that, way to look at it, but yeah, yeah, yeah they I did. I mean, that's really what happened. It is. That's what happens with society, though. We all get smarter and more efficient. That's true. Time goes on. That's true. It would be with Germany and World War II that the use of unclaimed bodies reached their moral nadir. The corpses of the executed primarily political prisoners, were immediately given to the Anatomical Institute for Scientific Use. In 1942, 
the law passed that no family could claim right to the bodies of any Poles or Jews that died in German possession. The number of cadavers supplied from concentration camps, prisons, and other political institutions was astronomical. Nazi Germany absolutely broke the balance between scientific exploration and ethical practices. And is a reminder today for all anatomists that a disregard for morals cannot be justified even for scientific glory. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the craziness that Nazi Germany did with these cadavers, um, because quite frankly, um, it involves what could be another wonder segment all in its own. Um, but if anyone has ever taken even a slight history class, you you should have some idea on the nightmare that was Nazi Germany. And you can just imagine how awful, absolutely awful some of this stuff was. Um, and if you've seen, hell, if you've seen Captain America, you can have some sort of idea on how awful Nazi Germany was. Never seen it. Nazi Germany? No, Captain America. Captain America. I, no, I love learning about World War II. I've seen more documentaries on that than probably anything else. I mean, so you know the type of fucked up shit that happened. Yeah, but not only... I mean, don't pin it just on the Nazis. The Japanese did far worse. I mean, we're not... Yes, that's still yeah. a Nazi ally. Yeah, yeah, but they weren't Nazis. They were, they were the Japanese. They were part of the Axis power. Yeah. It wasn't the Nazi power. Um, where am I at? It was that doctor, what's his name, though, in Germany that was, that we always talk about. That's horrible. Um, well, there was, there were a ton of doctors, but, um, I forget which one was over it's, most of it. It's the one that's over most of it. I, his name literally slipped Joseph Mendeleev, maybe? Was it? It's, it might be men something. Oh, I man. Think it's, I think it's men to leave. I'll look it up. Um, Joseph Men Mengel, Mengeli, the angel of death, is also what he was known as. Or the angel of Auschwitz. Dr. Mengel. Mengeli. Yeah. I don't know how to say that, but yeah. 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 Horrible, horrible... Um, time in human history. Do not yeah, recommend. That was, uh, I, yeah, that was a fucked up situation. At the end, what America did with both the Nazi scientists and the Japanese scientists. Um, but, you know, I guess that's how our leaders at the time rationalized not doing it ourselves. Yeah. If you don't know, we paid... We granted amnesty for a lot of those people if they provided us with what they discovered. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, you know, prevented us from having to do that, but we still. Let them go. Modern medicine is built off of that. Yeah. So. It's. Enjoy. <laughs> um, a lot of my research talked about the fine line between what is going to allow us to learn and what is moral. Um, and that's been an issue since the beginning of cadaveric time. Time, yeah. Morality has been an issue as old as time. 
True. Some people have very tight moral compasses and some people have very loose moral compasses. And it'll always be that way. Sadly. As somebody with a somewhat loose moral compass, I resent <laughs> that. Uh, the history of human cadaveric dissection in the United States almost perfectly mimics that of Europe. Ow, sorry, I just burped in the mic. In seven, were you gonna say all? Yeah, there you go. In no, it just sounded like you were you were gonna take a pause for a minute. So <laughs> I was on my feet. I was jumping to my feet. In 1790, federal law passed that judges could add dissection to a death sentence. In 1745, grave robbing was sky high due to the first formal courses of anatomy beginning to be taught. Then a law against graving, grave robbing was passed in 1789. Massachusetts was the first state in 1830 to allow for unclaimed bodies to be used for dissection. As time moved on, and a confusing number of state statutes, anatomy acts, and common laws convoluted the usage of human body, bodies for dissection until... 1968, when the National Conference of the Commission on Uniform State Laws approved the Uniform Anatomical Gift Act, or UAGA. This was a turning point in our history for body donation, as this act firmly established a record of a donor's wish to give their body to science as their right and no longer could relatives refuse their wishes. Thanks to the UAGA's success in the United States, initiatives around the globe began in the late 20th century to promote voluntary body donation. The UAGA stabilized the supply and demand for medical schools across the United States. And the social awareness that the UAGA initiated also drastically increased the number of donors. Doctors, especially, began to sign up as donors because they saw firsthand the value of having a cadaver in school to work with. They also grew comfortable promoting the idea of donation to their patients and their patients' families, encouraging them to donate and help further scientific advancement. Human cadaveric dissection has been the primary medium for teaching anatomy to medical and science students for centuries. But as we progress into the 21st century, more schools are beginning to opt for virtual dissections. However, researchers have suggested that decreasing or eliminating the use of physical cadavers could have negative impact. They argue that medical students will lack the anatomy anatomical knowledge that they glean from dissection if only learning in a virtual world. Studies show that students that learn via human dissection have an improved and <laughs> sorry. Studies show that students that learn via human dissection have an improved anatomical knowledge as it provides them with a 3D physical perspective and helps them recall what they learned. They also grow an appreciation and almost a respect for 
the humans that they work with. Despite radiological imaging, which is beginning to be able to visualize internal structures, our technology simply hasn't advanced far enough to successfully replace human dissection. At the moment, radiology and virtual reality cannot mimic the experience of teaching students the meaning of human embodiment and the morality therein. There is a limitless number of benefits we've gained from cadavers and their study. Dating all the way back to the OGs in ancient Greece, to modern doctors, performing invaluable research as we record this very second. I could have spent this entire wonder segment just talking about different ways cadavers have been used to learn, and I almost did, but I realized that their history was even more important, possibly, to understanding why body donation is so important. I'm going to go over just a few ways cadavers make our world a better place before we wrap up this wonder segment. Firstly, of course, is the obvious importance in the medical field. Surgeons often will dissect and examine cadavers before performing surgery on living patients. This is also true of surgeons that are past school. If they're doing a surgery that either has some sort of rarity to it or something they're not 100% comfortable with, surgeons will use a cadaver first and do the surgery before they attempt on a live patient. Um, and of course it's invaluable in teaching medical students what they're going to be doing before we just hand them to the living and say, good luck. Autopsies can help find answer to questions presented after death. There's the obvious use of finding a cause of death that we wouldn't be able to confirm if not for the use of the cadaver. And we've also learned how certain drugs can affect the body or how the body responds to injury. Um, It's thanks to the study of cadavers that we have realized the significance of concussions. Um, And we have thus greatly uh, increased our helmet protection in sports and other places. Prior to crash test dummies, cadavers were used to test the safety of vehicles, um, almost primarily. And even up into 2011, where the use of cadavers helped Ford create their inflatable rear seatbelts that they introduced in their Explorer. The military has used cadavers to develop ballistic gear. And literally, they would line up bodies on a shooting range and watch how... Pew, 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 (laughs) pew, pew. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, do you have something? Sorry, that's probably insensitive, but you know what? I already warned them. <laughs> if they don't like it, I said I said they could leave. Asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, the military uses cadavers to develop del- ballistic gear, um, and there is there is so so much more and so many crazy things that we know and we have discovered and we are learning and discovering because of the use of cadavers. I encourage everyone who wants to hear even more and experience quite a bit of laughter along the way to read Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers by Mary Roach. This book is hysterical um, in a very dark way. Um, 
and I, I highly recommend it. I read it while uh, researching the podcast this week, and it's fascinating. Um, and I hope today wasn't too dark of a wonder segment for everyone. Um, I encourage everyone listening to do some research on their own and think about becoming a donor. Um, as I stated earlier, I am a donor. Um, I'm an organ donor, and I fully intend to donate any of my body that can be used to science. I don't care what happens to it. Um, it we are at a point in our history where technology can't replace the physical, so I want I want to be able to help future generations where I can. And whatever left is me, turn into ash and let my family do with it what they will. Though getting shot into space is actually a really cool idea, and I think I think I would like to float among the cosmos. That seems pretty cool. Yeah, I want to see the universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. It'd be my luck. I'd get shot, and then I'd get caught up in a fucking supernova from the first <laughs> galaxy I passed. That's just my luck, though. I mean, you you wouldn't be destroyed in the supernova, though. No, I'd just be converted to some other form of matter. Yeah. Yeah. Live on in a different way. Yep. But, all right. Well. Thank you guys for listening to me ramble on about cadavers. We, I learned a lot. I I had no idea it started as early as it did. I You know, you play all these, like, Skyrim-esque games, and, you know, that's a part of it. Uh, looting. I remember you'd go into like caves and shit and you'd find cadavers and shit like that. So mm-hmm. um, interesting that that, you know, it might have actually been happening about that time. So, yep. Uh, on that, we'll just move it right on. Trivia with Tyler. All right, my phone's not cooperating here, but Uh-oh. there we go. There we go. All right, yeah. In 1990, British Airways Flight 5390 experienced a window failure in the cockpit, causing it to decompress and to suck the cab- the captain halfway out. The crew held on to him for 20-plus minutes, resulting in frostbite. They performed an emergency landing, and the pilot survived. So that was a uh, wow heck of a heck of a maneuver there. It sounds like wow they held on to him. Yep, for twenty to keep him from flying away. Yep, that must have minutes. been the scariest, most stressful twenty minutes of any of their lives. I bet that felt like a friggin' lifetime. Oh, I'm sure. But oh, wow. Well, good job to that to everyone involved. Wow. Yes, absolutely. So wow. Let's talk about this whiskey. Final thoughts. So I have definitely been enjoying this whiskey as we've been doing this today. I, I, I did say that I got a little bit of that chocolatey uh, lingering around the back of my throat as I uh, skipped having a sip for you know a few minutes. Um, which is very interesting. Um, but it, it kind of, it's very ice creamy. I mean, I really think it, it's an ice cream. 
You tried it with water yet? No, I just try like, it. Okay. I'm giving you an order um, because it changed mm. dramatically for me. Uh, you got a mmm from Megan. I don't know if you guys heard that. And now she's she was holding her mouth if you're not on YouTube, which, by the way, you should get on YouTube. You should. Check us out. Thumb, thumb up. Hit the bell. Oh, look, you can really see my broke-ass thumb in that view. <laughs> That's how <laughs> fucked up my thumb is. It's supposed to be here, but naturally it's over here. So I broke it in college and never got it properly fixed. For my anybody. thumb bends backwards. Yeah? Oh, you hitchhiker's thumb. I have one that does and one that doesn't. This one does. This one doesn't. Huh. Yep. So... Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the whiskey. What'd you what'd you get with some water? Wow. It um Wow. <laughs> Owen Wilson. I love you. <laughs> um You know he tried to commit suicide. 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 That breaks my heart. Yeah, he tried to commit suicide like in two thousand seven, five, Aww. somewhere in that range. Owen. We love oh, you. Oh, he didn't. I know, but we love you. It sounds like he's in a better place now. I certainly hope so. Um, well, this whiskey definitely makes me Owen Wilson wow um, with water in it because wow. it dra it drastically changed it in that it took away 100% of the burn. Uh, I got the strawberries you were talking about. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I get where they're coming at. Berries and fruit. It took away all of that like menthol burn sensation. I still got burned with it, but it definitely made it fruity and less vanilla. It, it kind of switched from vanilla ice cream to strawberry. Mm. Excuse me. That was, uh, that was the way I, I tasted it. The, I mean, yes, I do. The strawberry is more prominent. It is still an ice cream, so it's still creamy. But the menthol really is way, way more minor. Yeah, so that was that was my second sip. I only had the first one, and it was almost non-existent. So, yeah. Yep. It took the proof down of this, like, 20 points. Um, All right. So, I, how you feel? Well, Tyler... Let me just go ahead and write it down. <laughs> you did write it down in pen before I said anything. I already know. Well, it's a 10. <laughs> and Tyler just All fucking... All she had to say was, well, Tyler. Tyler just fucking wrote it down. One, zero, M. I didn't even say anything. I could say it's a one. I could say it's an eight. What are you going to say it is? It's a 10. <laughs> All right, then. What's... 75 episodes, I guess. I have a pattern. Um, I just, I, I knew when you said, well, Tyler, just the tone and, and that, I just, I knew. <laughs> yep. I well, knew it. So. Well, Tyler, apparently I. Predictable. I, I give the tens out like candy and <laughs> this is, this is a 10. It is right. amazing. And if you don't love it, I would love to take this home. Um, Not going to happen. All right. You like it too. I do. I enjoy okay. it. It's not okay. a 10. Um. In fact, it's not a nine, but it is an eight. Okay. Pretty darn high. It's an eight because it's good either way. Um, I 
Can this is a little bit harder to find than the four roses small batch, um, but it's not terribly hard to find around here. So this might, depending on the price, it's a little bit more than my normal go to. This one is only currently available in thirty states. So really, twenty one of you are going to miss out. Well, sucks to suck. We can't get Flaviar anymore, so yeah, we're missing out on that. Yeah. True. If it makes you feel better. Um, yeah, I this it's not gonna be my go to because it's it, it it just costs too much. It's it's in the forty dollar range. It's not gonna be my everyday bottle, but it's gonna be my um I don't know how to say this properly, I guess. If if everything we've done on this podcast was readily available to me, I could go to the store and get it. Um, my everyday drinker would, and I don't know if we've done this on the podcast, but it would be Wild Turkey 101. It's it's very good, but it's $20 a bottle. It's really good for $20 a bottle. It doesn't necessarily hold a flame to something like this or to Eagle Rare or Woodford Oak, Woodford Reserve Double Oaked but it's cheaper. I can buy two or three bottles for the price of one, one of, of these, you know? So that's why it is my daily drinker. But as far as also some of these bottles are very hard, you know, pretty hard to find at the moment. Um, but if I didn't have any, any sort of hindrances with money or hindrances with finding the bottles, this double oaked and, Eagle Rare would be my, that would be my three. That would be, I would go every single day and pull one of those bottles out and drink from them. Um, I feel like I can drink any of those anyway. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to mix anything, but you know, just neat or with stones or, or ice ball. So I'm very happy with this. And I almost, I mean, I came that close to cracking it last week and trying it. Mm. I took it because we didn't have enough blue note left last week to share with my group of your trivia, my, my trivia friends. So I took this and we, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Megan dropped her pen and then was like, Oh, well shit. Fuck. What do I do with this hand? <laughs> I'll pretend like I was doing nothing. Um, yeah, I took it to my trivia group, and they just ended up uh, a couple extra people joined us. Uh, shout out to you guys if you're listening. And um, they asked about the podcast. They're they're big whiskey guys as well. But this okay. ended up, it got late in the evening, and, and the bottle just ended up not getting pulled out. So Nice. So by the skin of my teeth and by by pure accident this bottle didn't get opened on Thursday. Well, so. I'm I'm glad it didn't. This was a very fun whiskey to yes. experience for the first time. So, uh I highly recommend everybody go out and try Four Roses Small Batch Select. And yeah, we'll uh I'll definitely keep drinking this. Heck yeah. That was delicious. This one's going in the forefront or in the front of the cabinet. I'll share this with people. I, I enjoy. Yeah. This is not one of the rare ones that I'm gonna like hang on with, to and yeah, hoard. Yeah, withhold. 
So. Oh, I definitely will be next time I like come over for a cookout or whatever. I think I'm going to be like grabbing that one to sip a sippy on. All right. Well, delicious. On that note, guys, Megan and I were back in uh, back in similar mindsets. The only difference is Megan gives out tens, and I just I I have like a it's got to be God really. Tyler really. has unrealistic. I just have the mindset that there's something better out there. I can't. I I feel like I struggle. Like I'm gonna know a ten when I when I taste a ten. Okay, I feel like I know a ten when I taste a ten too, and I give it a ten because it deserves it. I feel like you're too liberal with your ratings. So <laughs> you you like like you said, you give them out like candy. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, on that note, guys. All right, we are going to get out of here, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, thanking you for sticking around uh, this long, if you're still here. Um, we appreciate all you guys. Please take a second to uh, rate us, review us, subscribe, hit the like button, do all the things. Uh, follow us on social media. Uh, add our RSS feed to your RSS feeder. Um, you know, all that fun technology stuff. And uh, we will see you next week. Think about becoming an organ donor or a donor in general. Don't drink and drive. And cheers. Mm-hmm. <laughs>